What's going on, good people? You are now tuning in to Rolling with Rainbows, where we bring you sports when you want it, how you want it. Enjoy the show with Mikel and Tristan, and let the people know who you roll with. And we're back, people. We are back. Your favorite. And I'm never lying when I say this. I don't. I could never believe how you guys would think that. Your favorite sports podcast, Roaming the Airways, Rolling with Ramos, is back. I happen to be, as I always am, the one that holds the last name Ramos. I would like to specifically thank my daddy for that. Well, Mike Ramos in heaven is not a day that I don't miss you. I love you. In this moment, I hope you're here. Episode 121. And in true fashion, like we tell you all the time, we miss some people. We couldn't dedicate some numbers to some people. So episode 121, the Tim Duncan edition. Now, I know you used to see me with Tristan, and don't worry. He's coming. He's going to be on this episode. You got to take care of some household things. And you'll see him make appearance. He will be on this episode. He will be joining us too. In the meantime, joining us. Now, you've seen her other half on our show twice. So you you got to make up some ground. Uh, you see her other half on the show. Melissa, shout out to Melissa Ferris out there on the West Coast. My favorite, my favorite uh, number 12, as I like to call <laughs> her. Uh, she loves the Seattle Seahawks. This is her, her other half, the other half of this great podcast, this great brand, these beautiful women, Girl Chat Sports. Uh, Mo, Monisha K. Threats. Yes, I, yes, I, yes. I, I said it right. That's an inside joke. That's not for y'all to worry yeah, about. Yeah, you, uh, you did. <laughs> you're rolling with Ramos. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And also, yeah, shout out to Mel. Um, wouldn't be Girl Chat Sports without her as well. So, you know, we hailing from Las Vegas trying to, you know, be like you, be, be popping on the West Coast, the females in journalism and sports journalism, talking about these sports. We know what we're talking about, right? You believe so I'm it's popping. an honor <laughs> that, I'm, that you are popping. It's an honor that you have me on. I'm really, really excited to be here. Finally. I mean, it's been a minute that oh, I, I, I've yeah. owed you this for some time oh, now. So, Oh, man. Your people's called our people a million times. My yeah. people called your people a million times. We and even and it's weird because even on opposite coasts we couldn't get the time right. <laughs> I know we couldn't. No, this girl's it's, busy at times. She's busy. You got me on the right time. It was, it was a perfect time. This was meant to be, right? And it's funny because us East Coast, us East Coasters think that the West Coasters have so much time because they're three hours behind us. <laughs> when really they're trying to catch up to our time, and our time is absolutely late and their time is behind us. I will Absolutely. say this every time I've been to the West Coast, I felt like I had a plethora of time. I went to the I watched the game. I went to, I went to the bar, watched the game, and still was managed to get to the club all before one o'clock. See? I I could not do that. You can't be that East with Coast. the bat. You can't be you know you can't. As soon as that sun goes down, you know what time it is. I gotta hurry up. Right. Any, <laughs> anyways, let's get right into this thing. We start with some WNBA talk. This is one of the reasons I bought you one here. First of all, you being out there on the West Coast, and I know you and Melissa are avid Las Vegas Aces fans, and you also and you also cover them as well. Yeah. We're going to talk about the WNBA Finals, but before we get into the WNBA Finals, I want you to express how you felt about the year that they have. That Australian, let's do the damn thing. Shout out to Liz Cambridge. There's nobody that's better than her. 
she's evolving in this league. Um, shout out to the year. I mean, I can't say it was a disappointing year, but they did not reach the finals and they did not reach what they wanted to reach. However, ex uh, um, express your thoughts on their, on their season and, 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 what's, and what we, you can see of them to come. I mean, the thing of it is, is it was a very impressive season because you have to understand part of that first part of the season, we didn't have Kelsey Plum. And I think a lot of uh, the um, attribution of the success of the Aces has a lot to do with her as well. Now, mind you, these girls also took a moment between that season to go overseas and play for the USA team in the Olympics, come back and still hold a number two spot uh, within the rankings and, uh, and then clinch in a playoff division and then go on to uh, playoff games. But I have to uh, attribute that this team can be very successful, has the potential to be successful. You were shouting out Liz. Liz has been challenging this season. Um, she did battle COVID again. Um, and that kind of put her out. She was playing on limited minutes. But when she did get in there, uh, some of the games were effective uh, for the team. But postseason, I think I could have seen more from her. I think there was a lot of developmentals that need to happen with when it comes to her, especially in the low post. Um, she's been practicing with a lot of these NBA players. And truth be told, I found out recently that she was never really familiar in the center role as far mm. as what kind of playmaking happens with that to gel with the team. So it's going to be a learning process still with her for her being a big lady. And we're going up against Brittany Griner. I need you to be a little more scrappy than that. And they weren't giving any fair calls to Liz. And sometimes that happens as well in the mix of all, the, all those things. But um, I, I, I have to commend the girls for the perseverance of what led them to where they were. Uh, we didn't finish where we, we hoped to finish. We were hoping as a city of Las Vegas to be the, they would be the first team to bring a championship to us. Now that we have Raiders and Vegas Golden Knights, we want the women to, to be the catalyst to get that started. But it didn't happen this season and hopefully next season. Um, there's rumored that changes are coming. It's rumored that Liz may not be with us. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if uh, Bill Lambeer is still going to remain coach. I mean, it's a lot of talk right now and speculation as far as what the future of this team holds. Speaking of the future, we got to go back to the present and where we are now is the WNBA Finals 2021. It's a lot of goats in this thing. I mean, you're yeah. talking to Skylar Diggins Smith. You're talking Diana Taurasi, DT, the white goat, the white, the white mamba. You're talking Brittany Griner, Candace Parker. On one end, you got a super team put together to win it, and that's period. And yeah. on the other, and and, and 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 you're looking at a legend, and we might see her walking out. We don't know yet if DT is going to play next year. And you're looking at Skylar Diggins finally getting, I don't want to say finally getting the recognition that she deserves, but she's finally in a position where she can touch gold. And that's something that we want to see. And yeah. then you got the hometown hero over here that's pulling a LeBron in the women's factor. Oh, there he is. Look yes. at his face, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I told you guys, Tristan is going to make an appearance here. He will be here. He is now here. I'm What's here. up, Tristan? What's going on? <laughs> we're talking WNBA finals we're talking a lot of goats in this thing so like I just said you got the hometown hero and Candace Parker doing a LeBron thing will she give them their chip will she bring it home and then you got this this dynamic trio brought together to do none other but win the series is now tied 1-1 lady and gentlemen in the closing seconds of overtime, with the Phoenix Mercury clinging to a three-point lead, Skylar Diggins-Smith glanced toward Diana Tarazi, prepared to pass the ball to her teammate, but Tarazi shook her head to say, keep it. That was all Diggins-Smith needed. She drove to the basket for a layup, 
with 12 point seconds left in overtime, giving the Mercury their final five point cushion in a thrilling 91-86 game two victory Wednesday in the 2021 WNBA Finals that was yesterday. It even the series with the Chicago Sky, who will host the next two games in the series. Game three will be in Chicago. Dennis yeah. Smith, 13 points, 12 assists. We all know that she's going back to Chicago. That might not be her hometown, but Indiana's not far where she grew up. And we all know about that Notre Dame Irish that she bought supremacy to for years to come. So she's kind of going back to her roots a little bit. So that might be an emotional game three for her. Griner, 29 points, nine rebounds. That was a big game for her. Tarazi, we all know what she does. She struggled to find her offense at times, but before the game ended, in the late stages, we know she's money. And as usual, in late, she finished with 20 points. What's a put what's a push in the referee? We're gonna let that pass. She wasn't ejected. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and she should have been, and she totally should have been. <laughs> I, I looked at it this way. If it were a guy and you could feel the push in the, in the, in the, I guess it was no power behind it. I guess if they saw a lunge by the referee, a guy would Draymond Green would have been injected for that. Right. No, no, not even, I don't care if it was two seconds left in that game. They would have found a way to kick his ass out. Yeah. But Diana Tarazi, we saw what happened. So, how do we feel about the series being tied 1-1? Would we go in towards game three? I think it's a series. I think this is what we wanted. You know, I think the two right teams are rightfully in the place that, that needed to, we needed to see this. I think this was the, the time to make it happen. I mean, what's Candace Parker's fate after Chicago Sky? This is a move she made from leaving LA and coming to Chicago for this destiny. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. And to see Phoenix, you know, Annihilate my aces, if you will. I mean, they just are a well-oiled machine. I mean, you, you can't you can't stop Diana Taurasi. I mean, it, she's just that that girl. Same with the Britney Griner. I mean, there's strength there's strength with that one. Okay, and then the beast of seeing Skylar Diggins come back. And mind you, Phoenix is facing their own adversity because Kia Nurse is down on an ACL tail, so they don't even have their girl nurse. So they're even motivated now more than ever to try to prove something. Uh, with this league that they can still be champions through that type of adversity and losing a man down. And she's not just no ordinary person. I mean, Kia Nurse is a baller too. So see that stud go down. That was kind of saddening, but they're there. And to see Chicago Sky on the other end with Candace Parker, it's exciting. This is a series I this is a series I was looking for, honestly. I don't know if our aces could have brought it with this much uh intensity as it is. It would have been exciting to watch, but I feel like this is very much more exciting. I, I was surprised. What a thriller. And it's great mm -hmm. to see people on Twitter and everybody's in, in general, because and when I say in general, I'm talking about men watching this and seeing the NBA players supporting and things of that nature. They, this was a good game. It, it wasn't it was. just it was a good game. Tristan, a lot of goats in this. How you feel mm -hmm. about this series? Well, for me, I don't think I, I don't think I even recall either a, a women's NBA final or a men's NBA final where I've been so torn. Um, I think probably the last time I probably could say I felt this way was when the Sixers were, were against the Lakers because I was such a fan of Allen Iverson, but I'm a huge Lakers fan. I think that was the last time I felt torn torn this way because for me as a, as a, a, a big supporter of women's basketball, you're talking about some people that I watched even, you know, as a teenager. So when you're thinking of um, Diana Taurasi, you know, the white mamba, 
uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm listing my, you, you got my, most of my favorites, uh, on the court right now for the WNBA finals in the Candace Parker, Dana Tarazi, Skylar Diggins, you know, my other favorite shout outs to uh, Maya Moore, you know, I mean, these are, these are women that I watched, um, Christy Tolliver from, from Maryland. Like these are, these are women that I watched for a long time. So to see majority of them on the floor trying to go for a championship, like I'm torn because it's like, man, I want it for Skylar Diggins and I want it for White Mamba. We don't know how many years we got with her. But, man, Candace Parker going back home, like, how would that feel to bring a, a championship back to Chicago right. and everything that she did for my L.A. Sparks? I mean, I just, you know, why not? But I do believe this is this is what I wish the NBA could do, and which is have a dream scenario. And I think this is one of the dream scenarios. You got yeah. some of the hottest names. I think the only name really that's left out that's, like, up there in that tier with them would be, what, Sue Bird? I think that's I think that's yeah. the only, that's the only other person. So like, and Diana to... took her out. Yeah, exactly. we don't. And this may be Sue's last year. And we exactly. all grew up Sue. Exactly. So you so you have the stars in this kind of finals, and like oftentimes we we miss out on that in the NBA because we expect one team to get there and then it doesn't happen. I always piggyback to when uh, you know Kobe and LeBron um, had the, the puppet commercials advertising yeah. and, Aww. you know, lo and behold, the Orlando magic ended up taking out, you know, the Cavs. And then it was like a, basically a, a blowout for the series for the finals. That was a huge disappointment, but the WNBA just never disappoints. You always get to see the matchups that you want to see. You get mm-hmm. to see the stars go against stars and it, it's, it's incredible. And I'm, I mean, I had, I had, I had Phoenix being here. Um, so I'm not surprised at all because when they put that squad together, I was like, "Who's beating that?" Like you, you have the answer at every at every point. You you got your scores, you got your field generals, you got the enforcer and Brittany Griner. Like you, you have it all. So Candace Parker basically has to be the equalizer for uh, for them for Chicago to have a shot. But it, it's it's a great matchup. I've enjoyed it so far. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Well, yeah. you know, to your point, I think, and, and, and you could agree with me on this, Mo, but the WNBA always gives us these moments. I mean, people forget about years ago when the Washington Mystics won their first ever. That Atlanta oh, yeah. trade was blockbuster because it blockbuster. took her from one coast to the other, right. to the other, and for who she was at that time, that was as big as anything. And for her to come to DC, and it's the first, oh, yeah. and it's not that far from her being from her Delaware roots as well. So. And, and, and then when we talk about, and then when we talk about the WNBA and, and in this time frame, and 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 and, and there's a, there's there's these conversations about the goat, and which have been kind of funny. Coop got in in the conversation and said, "I don't think nobody could guard me." The great um, Houston Comet, who was guarding me back in the day. I mean, I you can't you you name i mean you can't say nothing about lisa leslie you can't forget about rebecca lobo you can't forget mm-hmm. hey shout out to teresa weatherspoon i used to love right. her Ooh, i yeah. used to love teresa, teresa weatherspoon mm-hmm. uh th- there's so cheryl many swoops. people this go cheryl swoops, swoops yeah t- shout out to the red lipstick tina thompson what's up baby um there's so mm-hmm. many there's the goat maya moore you name her that goat conversation elena that goat conversation just goes this way mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with, yeah, go ahead. I mean, you're, you're talking about, I mean, <laughs> you have to almost re- reinvent the Mount Rushmore because you're talking about women that impacted the game in so many different ways. And it's kind of hard to say like, who is the, 
the GOAT, you know. Like I say, in comparison with the NBA, like, a lot of people are going to say it's Michael Jordan. Some people, you got some people that say it's LeBron James. You got some people that might say it's Bill Russell, you know, or Will Chamberlain. But for the most part, the general consensus, it seems that it's Michael Jordan. It's the one person that you put and everybody else is, is vying for second. Well, in, in the WNBA, I mean, you're talking about imprint. I mean... You you got to put Candace Parker in that category. I mean, yeah. to win to win MVP and Rookie of the Year, like you you got to now you're talking like Magic Johnson type of air for her. You know what I'm saying? Like that, we have to put all of them in consideration. So, like for me, if someone was to ask me, I'm like, ooh, that's hard because I remember you know um, reading about Lisa Leslie and how transcendent she yeah. was, or 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 looking at you know Cheryl Swoops. You know, like, these were women that got me into watching. The pioneers, um, right? Well, exactly. Like, so it's it's hard to like. Who are you going to put it on? For the longest time, you, I probably would have said Lisa Leslie, but then I'm looking I think at it's... some. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. You know, it, I, you yeah, know, I yeah. was looking at it like that, but it was just like now I'm like, oh man. I mean, look at look at Maya Moore's accomplishments. Look at Diana Taurasi's accomplishments and what she's right. done. I mean, it, you know, and then and then if you're really like into the sport you're thinking about what they did from college all the way up i remember you know diana doing this with her jersey at at uconn and all that like these are things that you think about and you're like that's hard to decide i mean i think i think for me and probably cuz i'm just impartial i think i'm probably always going to say lisa leslie just cuz i feel like she was really polarizing um in, in 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 the game where it made men it made the men as well as women pay attention um, you know, I mean, it was one thing to have the skill set, you know, the women that had the skill set, Witherspoon, Soups and all of them. But it was another one where you saw somebody that just kind of dominated in their time period with their size, their power, as well as skill. Um, so I think for me, I'm probably going to probably always have that edge for her. But it's it's tough. That's a tough decision. I think it's too early to tell. I think it's yeah. too early to name a goat. I think we were only 25 years into this league. True. It's too early to say who a goat is. Yeah. We have yet to see the promise of the fruition of WNBA. It's a very young franchise. Very and young. when we had this conversation with Michael Jordan, franchise had already been established with the NBA. We were mm-hmm. talking several decades, okay, mm-hmm. to have that conversation. I just think it's a little premature to your point though, Tristan, you named some great names that could pave the way as being legends and possible goats, but we have yet to see what this future holds for this franchise. 25 years in, I'm not completely sold on who I'd say a goat is per se in the in the in the in the space that we're in at this moment. I think there's some sen- phenomenal players. I think Diana Tarasi is one of them. Sue Bird is a legend. She's been out there yeah. balling still at an uh, age in my my group of 40s, the 40 club. I mean, that says a whole lot, but again, to have this, I think our league has to be a little bit older That's for right. me to like kind of narrow it down on who it is. 25 years to me is just a little too premature. It's not generational because it's not I'm, generational. Yeah, because I'm watching. I mean, because to say, OK, the Mount, even the Mount Rushmore in the, in the NBA, you could say there's a lot of people would say, OK, especially when that conversation between Michael Jordan, and Kobe and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and LeBron, mm-hmm. um, you could say people watched Michael. I, I, I'm 33, so I saw Michael Jordan in 96, 97, 98, and it's I thought it half. was the best thing that mm-hmm. you could ever see in your life. Right. I watched the last dance and I and I wasn't even alive for half of what for he did in the 80s right. until 88. And even when I right. was alive, I didn't see to a particular time. Exactly. So there was more to Michael Jordan than I knew it was mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. latter fence. Then mm-hmm. you see Kobe 
And then Kobe was just Kobe. If you want my personal opinion, it's the only one you can name next to the GOAT. We're not gonna, you're Thanks. not gonna, I'm the host, you're not gonna tell me anything else. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> but anyways, hey, I'm, the, I'm with you on that. I'm Kobe, I'm a Lakers girl, I'm yeah. team mom all day. But then those who saw Kobe and got to the Achilles and was seeing the latter part of his career and tell it worth looking at LeBron in this generation and saying, wait a minute, how can you not talk? How can you? I truly get upset when you just skip over the skip fact over that Kobe, Kobe even ever existed. Right. And then you go straight to LeBron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where there's certain attributes that, yes, LeBron had that Kobe didn't as far as understanding the team aspect early on. Whereas in the WNBA, it's not generational yet. We, mm -hmm. we grew, it's like we grew up watching everybody at the same time. Mm -hmm. True. So, True. um, but I, but I am happy to have been in the process of shout out to Kyla Pratt. I know we talk a lot about Raven Simone, but Kyla Pratt deserves her flowers because we grew up to her too. That yeah. commercial and her going toe to toe with Lisa Leslie and Rebecca Leslie. Lobo in the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And I remember that commercial. And to see what the league has trans came to now is great. That Phoenix, you you say everybody's in the same position. This is what Phoenix needed because in previous years they did not have it. They did not have a general like Skylar to put everybody in their place. To say, okay, I'm going to pass the ball. Now Diana can just be Diana. So if she's struggling in the first half, she can come back and do get herself together and come back the second half. Brittany can be what she is. And then you and then you have the confidence in, in, to say into Skylar, hey, I know she can score too. I think that this is just a complete moment. I think the Mercury will take it. And it's going to be unfortunate because well, you want that feel-good story. You want yeah. that she came yeah. home and she gave it to us. And 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 I say it now. That is not a knock against Candace if this is not get done. This girl oh, is. Come on now. She's right. going against. She's legitimately going against a juggernaut. I think everybody penciled in the Mercury as soon. I mean, Mikkel, you remember we were we we texted. It's like Megatron three like, times. Like, yeah, it, was like <laughs> it was like, can we just crown him? We might as well just crown him now. Like, who's stopping yeah. that? You know. So. It, yeah, it's definitely no. It's, it's definitely not going to be no no slouch on uh, Candace Parker. If anything, oh, yeah. if anything, Candace Parker should already be getting the flowers for coming back home and putting the team in this position. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people about to get a gold medal to match that. Uh, about to get a, a championship to match that gold medal they got. This yeah, summer. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure, definitely. Let's move on to the NBA now. I got Blue Cross Blue Shield, okay? I enjoy Blue Cross Blue Shield. But unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately for some of these NBA players, that wasn't enough. Um, 18 <laughs> former NBA players were charged Thursday. That was October 7th. That was last week. We told you that we would talk about this. By the way, you're watching episode 121. We're being fundamental this time around. The Tim Duncan edition. Make sure you drop those comments down below. Talk to us plug i had to do that anyways 18 former nba players were charged thursday that was last week october 7th was pocketing about 2.5 million dollars illegally by defrauding the league's health and welfare benefit plan and a scam that authorities said involved claiming fictitious medical and dental expenses 15 players and one of their wives were arrested in a three-year conspiracy that authorities say started in 2017 in one instance mo and tristan an ex-player was playing basketball in Taiwan when he was supposedly getting 48,000 worth of root canals and crowns on eight teeth at a Beverly Hills, California dental office in December 2018. 
Beverly Hills, I know they was charging you money. Anyways, in a statement, the NBA called the allegations particularly disheartening because the benefit plans provided by the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association are critically important to support players' health and well-being throughout their careers and post-retirement lives. So they're giving you health benefits after you leave and you don't have to get them and you scam it. Anyways, the charges came just weeks after former NFL players Clinton Portis and Tamarick Vanover and Robert McCure pleaded guilty for their roles in a nationwide health care fraud scheme themselves. The 18 former players named the indictment include alleged scheme ringleader Terrence Williams, selected 11th overall in the 2009 NBA draft by the then New Jersey Nets. Six-time NBA All-Defensive Team member Tony Allen, former Lakers guard Shannon Brown, and Ronald Glenn Big Baby Davis. Oh, Darius Miles, why are you in this? Anyway, who played for the Boston Celtics, Orlando Magic, and Los Angeles Clippers over the course of his career. A lot of people will say these were a lot of journeymen in the NBA. They didn't stay particularly one place, but hey, whatever. Allen's wife, Desiree Allen, was the only woman charged in the indictment. Ooh. Eight. That's crazy. You in Taiwan and you getting the whole root canal worth 48. That part. <laughs> what 48,000 48, worth. That's a whole new set of teeth, in my opinion. But, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, oh, it's insane. Okay. It, this is really insane. I mean, I have insurance too, but I'm not trying to defraud my insurance company. And the fact that you're that, the fact that I'm wondering where these paychecks went. I wonder where your salary money went, Shannon Brown, yeah. big baby. Yeah. Did you sell your championship rings, big baby? I just need to know. what. Why is the money so tight that you can't get affordable health care? What is going on? Uh, and the scam system, and think you wouldn't get caught, is even more ludicrous because you're black on top of all of that, too. You know, I, we always, for some odd reason, they seem to want to investigate us mostly. Why do you think you wouldn't get caught? That is so stupid. It's the stupidest yeah. thing ever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was, I was so disappointed in hearing about it because I'm just like, I mean, it's exactly what you said. I mean, what happened to your money that you can't just do have affordable health care to take care of whatever you got to take care of? Like, what were you doing? And and the thing that bothers me about it is because there's there's already a battle in regards to insurance and how former players that need the medical attention, they need the medical work done. And it's a struggle to to get the insurance because they got to have all this evidence of proof and do all these things mm -hmm. because of people like these guys that try to scam the system. This is the whole reason, it, you know, and everybody wants to talk about in sports, you know, being a part of a team and all this stuff, it, you know, it's a fraternity, it's a brotherhood, um, you know, for the women's sports, it's a sisterhood and all that stuff. But if it mm -hmm. is, then why aren't you thinking about your man? And I know that it's easier said than done. I get all that. But at the same token, it's just like, why don't you think about the retired players, the ones that didn't have the max contracts, the ones that weren't the superstar right. players that had that have ailing injuries post the game that need this insurance, that need the medical attention. And now you're sabotaging that and they're going to make it tougher for people to get the proper health care that they need because of people like y'all. And y'all didn't even That's need Y'all y'all all played in an era where the money is substantial. Y'all didn't yeah. I'm not playing in a struggle era where where guys were getting like pennies just to it was all about just playing basketball like y'all were y'all were in the, the precipice of an era where the the 
the max contracts were really coming in. And even if you weren't a max player, you were still getting close to 100,000, 100, I mean 100 million. So what what was the issue? It was so unnecessary. I was I was so disappointed. And then the names that I heard, I was just like, come on. Really? I didn't understand that at all. To your point of the era, um, God rest his soul, but David Stern did his thing in the early in the in the millennial era in the 2000s and in the late night in the early 90s his whole tenure set up the nba to be as global as it is right now and to be able to have and be for for dennis roder to turn down 10 million this is what was set up by david stern yes in that era now you put it's like what did y'all what did y'all pull a freaking uh a uh, uh, latrell spreewell 12 million ain't enough to feed my kids what's wrong with you just don't understand. <laughs> i don't understand it yeah to see terrence williams and not to say that he wasn't a bad player but dude you wasn't even top what do you the ringleader and then you fools that actually got a championship ran after him and joined this shannon brown you played with kobe you did not need this yeah. You had Monica. You did not think <laughs> we had another Mo. You did not need this. <laughs> oh, Shannon, I, I'm just, Shannon, and that's part of the reason of the divorce. Maybe she knew something we didn't know. Maybe she knew he was scamming way before that with the kids and everything, yeah. and uh, wanted out. I mean, you talk a monument of L's. Who even thinks of this? Monument of L's, right? Who because this is not this to do. They just got caught. This has been going on. It sounds like for a period of some time. So, time. and what I mean, you're, kept you're, going? They're looking at jail time. They're legit looking at jail time for this. Yeah. would have kept going right hadn't they gotten caught right we switch gears and you know this is this is a you you ever oh just just in lamar jackson mispracticed thursday because of, because of an illness you better not have covid again and if you do oh, are you gonna get the vaccine brother and this takes us to our next event on this nba bracket because is, I don't know about you guys, but it becomes a subject that we know we have to talk about as sports journalists. On one end, you want to keep the conversation going because it's going to be everlasting. But on the other end, you're totally sick of it. And um, this is where we are. Because um, next general manager, Sean Marks, said Tuesday, earlier this week, that the decision not to let Irving join the team until he gets at least one vaccine shot was ultimately made by him and team owner Joe Psy. Marks also said Irving will lose only the money he was due to play in home games, which is, he is not allowed to do under New York City's mandate. Just in case you guys love numbers, that's 380000 okay? Um, Kyrie Irving said Wednesday night, because he's talking now, He's talking to y'all now. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was yesterday. He said he still hopes to return and play for the Brooklyn Nets, but that this is about my life and what I am choosing to do as he explains his decision to not receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Irving speaking on Instagram Live, which was the longest 10 minutes of my life. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell he said. Anyways, Irving speaking on Instagram Live said he is neither pro-vaccine nor anti-vaccine and that he fully understands the ramifications of his decision. The financial consequences, I know I do not want to even do that, but it is reality that in order to be in New York City, in order to be on a team, I have to be vaccinated. I chose to be unvaccinated. That was my choice. And I would have asked you all to just respect my choice. I am going to continue to stay in shape, be ready to play, be ready to rock out with my teammates and just be a part of this whole thing. This is not a political thing. 
This is not about the NBA, not about any organization. This is about my life and what I am choosing to do. Him speaking out on social media comes one day after the Nets decided to make their decision. He repeatedly said he respects doctors who continue to try to keep people safe and those who are vaccinated and are, and are being mandated to do this are losing their livelihoods. I'll wait and let you guys go first. Okay. I think the thing with uh, Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving, at the end of the day, doesn't want to be told what to do. That's all it is. He doesn't want to be told what to do. This is not anything to sway you to be an anti-vaxxer, to be a pro-vaxxer or anything. like. Because, again, he said he said he's not anti, he's not pro. He's just still trying to understand it and do his research and due diligence to make a decision. Um, and, and Brooklyn has, in their turn, to make a decision. They have the right to decide what the fate of their business, their franchise, their money-generated thing on the hopes that they were originally banking on Kyrie to play. They have to kind of figure out what the next move is going to be. But this is not about uh, the picking sides. This is not about this debate. This is all ultimately about Kyrie Irving trying to prove a point that you cannot tell this man what to do and you're not going to make him do something he doesn't want to do. That's all it boils down to. We're talking to a 12-year-old here who went on Instagram Live <laughs> and tried to say some things that were very confusing <laughs> and very misleading and very contradictory. On <laughs> one hand, you say you don't care about the money, and then you turn around and say, but, you know, um, you know, you think I want to give up this money? You think I don't want to do this? You don't think... So if it's not about the money, then you wouldn't make a statement saying, well, you think I don't want to give up all this kind of money? You just let it be what it is. You know, if you can afford to lose $300,000, that's fine. Kyrie as a person is a all-time social justice human being. He's done a lot to the HBCUs. He's done a lot for the indigenous cultures, donating masks. I believe he believes in COVID. I just think this is not a thing about COVID. I think this is ultimately a thing about you cannot make this man do what he doesn't want to do and you cannot tell him what to do. And he wants to be proven right. That's it. I asked this question last week. I want to ask you this question. Teeter tottering the line between doing what's right. And, and I do this because I don't know what's right in, in, in Kyrie's mind because the earth is flat. But um, I'm asking that in this, in this sense. Um, teeter tottering the line of doing what's right and selfishness. What's the scale of one to ten? Well, if you're looking at a business standpoint, you're on the 10 side of the selfishness because it's no I and team. This is a team, right? We're supposed to be all one, right? That's what we, the brotherhood, the fraternity that you guys speak of. So when you have a member of that fraternity going the opposite way, it's kind of like, and not to mention you brought two guys over to join this whole mm -hmm. organization with you. And then you turn another way. What does that say as far as the, the, the level of character you have for your team you know you wanted to be here and then you sit up and say you're not talking about retiring stop telling people i'm not telling people i'm retired you personally said a long time ago that if you were ever to get traded again you would retire so which is it i just need you to make up your mind at this point but i think it is in all fairness a very selfish act as far as the team thing for your own personal choices i'm not saying that's selfish i'm saying for where you're working in your job in the capacity of you to do something that they're hoping to lead to success of a championship, yes, you're being very selfish in your decision. Tristan, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> when all this first transpired, you know, and I was, I was, you know, listening, and I saw that he went on IG Live, and I was like, okay, well, maybe he's going to kind of iron this out to for people to understand 
where he's coming from. And I'm listening. And I'm because remember I'm, last week, we not to cut you off. We talked to Justin, who's up in New York, and he said he's just saying no without any explanation. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Exactly. I woke up today more confused than I did prior to that live. What's bothering me about this entire situation, honestly, is the fact of, um, just like just like Mo said, it's 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 the fact that you signed a contract with the Brooklyn Nets to play basketball, and this is not a shut up and dribble moment. I will never do that. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, the man, I don't have a problem with. Whatever you want to do with your body, I understand. That is your position. That is your thought. You have every right to feel how you feel. Kyrie, the player, that's a whole different thing. You know your team is the favorite to win a championship. You know it doesn't really run as well if you're not on the floor. You brought Kevin Durant over. You brought, in a sense, James Harden over to join you to win a championship. If it if this is more important than basketball, which it seems like it is for you, and that's and again, Kyrie the man, I'm totally okay with what you're deciding. Mm-hmm. But then just step away. Give Brooklyn the clear conscience to know that Kyrie's not gonna play this season. Kyrie's gonna sit this out because of his beliefs. We respect it and do and you know, good luck to you on that, whatever you decide to do, blah blah blah. We're going to move forward and try to get this championship. Because right now what you're doing is that every single day of every week, the media, all they're going to talk about is Kyrie going to play this week? Has Kyrie decided on what he's doing about the vaccine? How do you feel about Kyrie not being on the floor? Every time they lose a game, do you think it would have made a difference if Kyrie was on Mm -hmm. the floor? How do you feel? Do you think Kyrie's scoring ability would have helped in this situation, this scenario? These are the things that's going to happen. And we're running into a season now where a lot of teams are souped up. A lot of teams are set up to go after you guys because everybody knows that it's going to lead to y'all. So everybody kind of did their due diligence in the offseason to come after you guys because they thought it was all three of y'all healthy that we're going to see. Y'all realize that all three of them only played 14 games, including the playoffs last season? That's nothing. That's nothing. And Kyrie, mm-hmm. you are the main one because you haven't you haven't played a consistent full season in how many years? You're about ten years in the league. I think you've played more than seventy games three times. Like, but three different franchises. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and you're a total. Wow. And you're one of the best in the game. Like without like everybody knows yep. that without question, it makes no sense. And so. That's the frustration that I have. And I think that's the frustration that people have with Kyrie is because someone that is so immensely talented just seems like everything else matters more than basketball. And if that's the case, then that's okay. But don't have us on this teeter-totter of whether you're going to play, whether you're 100% in, whether you're 100% committed to playing basketball and winning a championship, if that's not where you are. that's what, It made me so furious when people were trying to – then you got some of the people that try to compare – Kyrie, they're saying he's the Colin Kaepernick of the NBA. No, he is not. Colin Kaepernick made a specific stance, understood the consequences of said stance, and still made the stance anyway. And it cost him his career, but he made the stance, he made the point saying, this is beyond football. Black Lives Matter is beyond what's going on in the white lines on the field. It's way beyond that. 
And yes, I love the game of football. I mean, they, I saw I saw um, a snippet from Ebony Magazine that just came out when he's saying that he still gets up every morning, 5 a.m., working yeah. out, hoping that an NFL team calls him. He wants to play in the NFL, but he understood yes. what he was sacrificing for the better cause for Black Lives Matter, for the better cause of, of equality for all minorities in this country. I don't think Kyrie's willing to go that far, and and because of that, you cannot compare. Kyrie wants to have his cake and eat it too, and it doesn't work like that in this world. It just doesn't. Well, it just doesn't make any sense of what he's saying. That's the thing, you know. On one yeah. hand, you're saying you're fighting for those that are not going to get the vaccination, that are unvaccinated, um, and and you and, and in turn you're saying I'm also fighting for those that have lost their jobs before it's. I need him to pick a cause and stick with it. And I need him to yes. make a decision. Like we're, we're wondering like, what is your cause? And if you're really wanting to research, go down to Minnesota and talk to Carl Anthony Towns then. Get a perspective of him on the other side of that. And if you're truly fighting for the unvaccinated people, then you must be fighting also for the families that lost 715,000 Americans who yes. are also unvaccinated. Or probably maybe I'll say 710. I'll take 5,000 off for those that probably were vaccinated, lost their lives. But the 710,000 that lost their lives, they were unvaccinated too. So are you fighting their cause as well? Like I'm just very confused in his messaging. And, and it, to me, ultimately it boils down to is you can't tell me what to do. That's your fight. Yes. And if that's your fight, Keep it a buck and say that that's what you're fighting. That's what you're about. Yes. So on one end of the spectrum, I'm pissed off because I'm reading the comments and I'm compelled every time to comment because it's do what you want with your body. Okay. Do what you want with your body. But we're not going to pretend that it does not come with consequences and impacts others. And it doesn't mm -hmm. impact others, meaning your peers and the rest of the person. This is a league. One person touched the mic. It took Rudy Gobert one time. And the whole damn thing was done yeah. in a year. We're forgetting where this league came from. We had a whole bubble. And, and, and look what happened as well. So I try not to be, I am vaccinated. And um, I try not to be the person that goes and talks about unvaccinated people. And I try not to get involved in that conversation because we should be preaching also taking your vitamins, taking uh, vitamin C, taking probiotics exercising, eating well. What people have forgot to do is read. And I forget they, and I think they stopped reading because a vaccine is not a cure. A vaccine is just a preventative measure. You're so worried about what you put in your body, but there are things that you put in your body every day that you already know that's going to do to you. I including the performance, including the performance enhancements that these players play and all the supplements exactly. that they take, not to cut I, you off. Yeah. No, you're right. I enjoy a bottle of Hennessy. Do I know what it's going to do to me every time I drink it and will possibly do to me? I could possibly get alcohol poisoning if I do too much, <laughs> if I drink too much when it comes to it, if I'm having a good ass time. But right. I still drink. I still go out there and I have a good time. People who have addictions and do drugs and they know, but they still want what they want. And it's right. that high. I've had every vaccine that I've had in my schoolgirl years. And I've gone to the doctor. My parents have gone with me and we did not question what was being put into me because it was a preventative measurement to help me. So on one end, I'm pissed off that people are saying good for him. This is nothing to be proud of. Right. And if you're talking about humanity, you shouldn't be. You're right. I shouldn't be made to get a vaccine, but it's damn stupid that we have to make people get a vaccine 
We have to take your job, your livelihood away from you. How you, how you, how you defend your families, how you take care of them. Yep. Just for you to get a vaccine and also try to downgrade your experience with COVID because it was less than you thought versus how people are over here dying over here. So that's what you're not going to do. The NBA is an organization. He is a basketball player. That's not just entertainment to some of you people. He's not just here to entertain you. This is how he makes his money. This is his occupation. He gets dressed up to go to work every day. And this is what he does. And his job that also happens to be in a state that is telling you we are not messing around. New York is one of the biggest. It's like a country in the United States. How many people fluctuate in and out of there? Of course they made the mandate. You talking Broadway. You talking tourists that come from all over the world just to be in the epicenter of the United States of America, which is New York City. Damn right right they're going to make that. You're talking about working in the most media-driven state in this country. So everything you do is broad, broad and even bigger. So on one end, I'm pissed off. Yeah. Because of the continuing divide in this country that seems of unsort. You think them people who had polio in 16 something, something, something was saying, it's my body, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm sure you had a few that made a fight. You probably had, had a few f- that fight, but not like this. Yeah, they, they had, had a fear. Yeah, had a fear. Yeah. Definitely. Yes, exactly. And we, had, and, and we had a fear too. You think when I went to go get my first dose of the vaccine that I was like, Hoo-ha, I'm excited yeah. about this. Exactly. I was waiting. You, you I was see waiting the like, environment and you think you're in a movie when you see these military men and these women and you're in this tent and it's just a weird situation and you're lining up to get this. You think we weren't scared to do this? I was waiting like 1999, baby. I was waiting for it to be over. Right. <laughs> Come on. And, and not to mention, I just went back recently and got the booster. How mm. fearful again am I? I'm back in that anxiety again of... Gotta go and do this. You think I want to do this? It's like same no. as Korea. You think I want to not play? But you think I want to live? Yeah, I want to live. So this is this is science telling us this is the proper way you can live. And it's so funny to me that people in professions that are losing their jobs are not the pilots, they're not the doctors or the hotel or the hospital admin. They're everybody under that, and they're not the principals of the schools. There may be some teachers, but they're not the principals. And then most of the rich people. They're all getting the vax. They're and not telling us. And not telling us. And they're all you, getting it. Hey, and it's so interesting to me yeah. how everybody else that's a middle class or working individual wants to yeah. kind of teeter that line of, no, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't. But you've got all these people in high power positions that make money that are getting the vax. Why? Hey, that's Kyrie, not you can go to Houston all you. But like, I'm, just, I'm just wondering. It's just very interesting to me. Hey, Mo, he can go to Houston all he wants, but Abbott got the vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You, so, yeah, and then same one's telling you that you shouldn't get it. Yeah, that's fine. Don't do it. What, what's the end game of them telling okay. you that? Can continue to die in our, our state. We're okay. Yeah. We, yeah. So, on one end, Mo and Tristan, I'm pissed off because this is not nothing to be proud of. On the other hand, I'm happy and I'm excited because the further exposing of the divide in this country came at the hands of a sports figure that's only meant to entertain us when really 
like I said, LeBron James puts his pants on just as much as I do one leg at a time. He just plays basketball better than me. The mm -hmm. humanistic aspect of sports is totally being put in this conversation because those same conversations that you look at your coworker and say, okay, if you're not going to be vaccinated, wear a mask. I went to yeah. an NBA event at Morgan here in Baltimore and Bradley Bill doesn't have to be vaccinated. But I had to step back away from him and I had to show my vaccination card when I walked in. So for sports and sports and society going hand in hand and people tending to forget that it does, this conversation and the person that's bringing this conversation, boom, it's big. Yeah. On the other hand, Charles Barkley, I'm sorry, you are a mentor to a degree. People listen to you. So this platform that Kyrie is speaking on, people are listening. So you're so proud of him. He's about to lose 380,000 80, when you lose your job because you follow him. I hope you DM him. I hope you call him and find out where he is. And I hope it comes on the internet and Twitter blows the hell up that you're trying to find him because I hope he pays your bills. Yeah. A job in this country is a blessing after mm -hmm. what we've been through these last two years. Oh, you shouldn't, a job shouldn't make you. I don't care how much they try to say, don't let, don't let the money, don't make, let, don't let the money make you, you make the money. Who believes in capitalism? I want to do what I want to do in my life. And that requires money. I'm not happy without money. I'm, I've been in a depressed state not having the money that I wanted to do to do for myself and to be as comfortable as I want to be sometimes. You need it. So stop it unless you're going to go live somewhere with tumbleweed flies and do this J Phil Jackson Zen mask thing all the time. <laughs> you need money. Mm -hmm. And three, let's, I, on one end is black and white. If you don't get vaccinated, you will not play. The NBA has made it pretty clear. On the other end, Tristan, to your point, and Mo, Kyrie Irving isn't stupid. <laughs> whatever his his brain is round in there, whatever the brain, whatever the brain, the circumference of a brain is, it's that shape. And he is understanding what he is saying and the conversation that he's continuing to because he's gonna continue to do this. It's because now he's not going to get vaccinated. So now everybody that doesn't want to get it and everybody that's on the fence, they're applauding him and they're with him. So then it's easy to miss out on money because you're at the beginning stages. Season hasn't even started yet. So once you start missing it and you start thinking about whether or not I need to join my guys or not and the implications of the ramifications and da 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 And he says to the Nets, I'm going to get the first one. I'm going to start this process. So then the conversation becomes, again, was he made to do this? Why is he doing this? How much does money really matter? Then he starts playing. And then whether or not his performance is good or not, well, he shouldn't have not played. He should have got the vaccine so he could play with everybody else because we got a way for you to tear the rust off because you're not playing up and down and up and down for 40 something minutes every night with everybody else traveling and doing your thing. You can stay right. in shape all you want. You're right. not doing what you're doing like everybody else. This right. Then if you become in a good state and they make a run and they lose, 
is going to go back to the original premise. Kyrie wasn't here at the beginning of the season. Good job, Kyrie. You like yeah. conversations and the betterment of the people. This is what you got. Yeah, I think he, he likes I mean, to see people debate. He really does. I yeah. think he likes the attention. He wants that free thinking kind of thing and mantra to play on, play on. It was the same thing he riled up with the flat earthers. He was like, you know, I just like to see a healthy debate go on. I just want people to go outside of the box. So maybe that's his mission. He wants to see a debate about this. I don't know. But I honestly think it's just boils down to him not being one to told what to do and proving a well, point of not being told what to do. Well, regardless he had the number one he had the number one supporter of not being what told being told what to do. And Jamil Hill, what a tweet that was. If Trump is endorsing him, and you Candace put the vaccine off that part alone. Yeah, yeah, Candace <laughs> yeah. You yeah. want these people behind you? You want these people behind you? Yeah. <sighs> Let us all sigh and decompress, okay? It is. It's too much. Yeah. Like I said, it was a 12-year-old on IG. It was a 12-year-old on IG who couldn't articulate his words. He went off the sheet. When Where's he mom? Take his phone. He had a pre-written <laughs> sheet. He had stuff to write down with topics. He, he didn't. He, felt, he went off script and tried to speak script. from his heart, and it just didn't make any sense. So, yep. Yeah, you have to breathe on that one. You know when Go you're ahead. one of those people that are too smart for their own good, like they just too. It's like too smart. He's in that era. He's, he's it's like it's too intelligent. He's too out there to really process what's going on and 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 uh, you know um this morning i was even i was listening to Stephen a and he said something in that regard he said the reason why some is it's not to say he's not a it's not saying that he's a bad person everybody Kyrie's not a bad person and no, honestly no, no. his heart his heart is in the right place oh yeah the problem is that he carries himself as if he's the most intelligent person in the world and everybody else is a cut below him and that's the problem it doesn't make anybody want to side with him. And the ones that do side with him are the extremists and the ones with all these high conspiracy theories and all these things that go on. And that's what's going to cause problems because he's such a star. And I don't know if he's ever, I don't think he, well, I don't think he even cares. I think he's just, like Mo said, I think he's just kind of hell bent on how he feels. This is what I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. I mean, look, at that's how, that's why he left Cleveland. You're playing with LeBron James. You're going to the finals every single year. Why would you want to mess that up? Because he didn't want to feel like he was second fiddle. He didn't want somebody bossing him around, telling him what to mm -hmm. do, how to do things, mm -hmm. how to operate. He wants to be his mm -hmm. own man. He went over mm -hmm. to the Celt he went over to the Celtics thinking he was going to be his own man, realizing that he wasn't he wasn't gelling with the young superstars that were coming up over there. So then he's going over to Brooklyn, who's in complete rebuild mode. So he's like, I can take over here. You think that's going to last long with KD? It's probably a blessing in disguise that they only play 14 games because after a while, KD and especially James Harden is not going to mm -hmm. allow you to be the alpha in this in this matter. Right. Man, just call up some PR people. When you got somebody too smart, you got people behind you that do all that, baby. Call up somebody to have you speak for them. <laughs> this, this, this is what this is this is what you're supposed to do. But this is this is this subject isn't going anywhere. So we but we got to move on. Yep. <laughs> you're killing me. And they're all everybody's on Twitter following you. It's killing me, man. I, <laughs> I wanted to just I wanted to just uh guess who all y'all slaps at I just want to do all that. <laughs> anyway, Tyson versus Fury 3. Hope you got your popcorn and your nice little Vegas was popping, wasn't it, Mole? Yeah, it was. There was. There was a lot of action going on. A lot of action, lots of bets. 
disappointments, I'm sure. But Fury was a sure thing. We knew this. I personally didn't ask for a three. Two was enough. We saw what uh, Deontay Wilder could do. He's he's no match for uh, Tyson Fury. He's not even, to me, a, t a technical boxer. That's the issue I have with him. He has no footwork. He has no defense. He has a, He's a one-trick pony with the one right that's supposed to knock you out. But he has to set himself up for that, and he can't do that properly or efficiently. Because, again, he has no defense. He has no footwork. He has no jab motions. He has no combinations. Nothing to, to defeat Fury. He has a heart of a boxer. And he wants to be a boxer so badly and give it up to him for going the, the distance of 11 rounds and knocking Fury out twice within those 11 rounds. But the man was sleep three to the towards uh, probably seventh to eighth and ninth. I'll say ninth, 10th going into the 11th. Deontay Wilder was asleep. He pretty much was already on his on his last with that. And it's just um, unfortunate to see because we have another heavyweight contender that's not from this country. It's not an American boxer. Usually our heavyweights come out of our country. We like to have that representation. And I'm wondering, will we ever see an American heavyweight contender ever again coming out the woodwork? Well, for those that missed it, the Gypsy King rallies to TKO, bronze, bronze Bomber, an epic thriller. Both fighters hit the canvas multiple times over the course of 11 rounds to complete this trilogy. In the most grueling test of his unbeaten career, Tyson Fury rose from the canvas twice in a disastrous round four to co-author one of the most thrilling heavyweight title bouts in boxing history. In the third and final bout of their memorable trilogy, Fury shook off the early damage to drop Deontay Wilder twice before finishing him via violent knockout punch in round 11 to defend his WBC titles inside T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Fury, 31-0-1, 22 KOs, who led on all three scorecards, 95-91, 94-92, 95-92, at the time of the stoppage, was forced to overcome an almost inhumane amount of resiliency that you talked about, Mo, shown by Wilder, 42-2-1, 41 KOs, in the first fight for both, for, in the first fight for both since Fury's TKO win in the 2020 rematch. Like the great John Wayne said, I'm made of pig iron and steel, baby. I took <laughs> some big shots, but my Lord and Savior helped me up and kept me going. It was a great fight tonight, and it's worthy of any trilogy in the history of the sport. Tristan, I'm laying a couple on you because I want to hear what you got to say about the fight. But sure. this sportsmanship factor. After the fight, Wary Wilder sat and in his corner on the stool with blood flowing from him from that left ear. Fury attempted to congratulate his wounded foe following a typically combative promotional build that saw the promoter refuse to allow the on to the face to face off during the fight week. Deontay Wilder is so tough, but he has no love for me because I beat him three times. Fury said, I'm a sportsman. I went over to show love and respect, but he didn't want to give it back. Since then, Deontay Wilder has posted. And he says something nice about yeah, Fury. Yeah. Both fighters said, yeah. "Yes, yeah, yes." <laughs> Both fighters said before the bout that the third fight would be the last in their rivalry. Now, on one end, I'm like, "This is what you tell your AAU guys to do when you start playing sports. You got to understand the importance of the of the win and the defeat. Yeah, you got to understand that, and you got to have great sportsmanship." On the other hand. 
Tristan, if you my favorite cousin and we playing spades after Thanksgiving and I lose to you three times, I love you, but sit on the other side of the couch. I'm in my emotions right now. Leave me the hell alone. I don't, I don't want to be bothered. And the fact that you could come out and say that you know I don't want to be bothered with you because you beat me three times. He's lucky that Deontay didn't make this a bigger thing and then ding ding in his own head and went and charging at him and slapped him a couple times. Because if I'm not going to avenge and revenge you, this is like the equivalent of Mike Tyson biting the end. He knew he wasn't going to beat <laughs> He wasn't going to beat Vander Holyfield. I know I can't beat you on this scorecard, but hell, and the street fight is on. I got you, and all these securities going to come around, and then I'm going to bring up another <laughs> subject after a while. So he lucky he didn't ding-ding in his own head and come after the brother, come after him. But, you know, that sportsmanship yeah. thing was a big subject. So the fight in that. Boom, boom. So... In regards to the fight, now I was hurting going to church the next day, but I was so glad that I stayed <laughs> up late to watch the fight. Um, for me, it was probably the best heavyweight fight that I can recall in a while, for me yeah. personally. And the reason why I say that is because I'm an old school boxing fan. Shout out to my daddy. I'm an old school boxing fan. He he. He was the type of person, well, is the type of person he would have them on cassette tapes. He would record um, fights on cassette tapes, and we would sit and watch, and he would make me kind of analyze what I was seeing and why certain boxers did this, and, you know, why was this one better conditioned? Why did this one look tired and things like that? And um, so for me, watching heavyweights, you want to see the slugfest. You want to see... Guys getting knocked down and getting back up and trying to go at it and, and pushing the limits of their body and their mind to, to try to finish the fight. Um, so in that aspect, Wilder uh, definitely gave you know gained more respect from me in the aspect of him just being a warrior and trying his best. Even though you could tell he he was done like after like round four or five. He, I mean he was out. And um, I said it probably around round eight. Uh, when they came out the corner and he just, I mean, dragging his feet and you see Tyson Fury kind of still bouncing around in the ring. I knew it was over because Tyson was just more conditioned. Um, but where where Wilder lost me, not even so much with how he acted like right after when uh, Tyson went over there to try to, you know, congratulate him on the match and all that stuff. Because in the heat of the moment, you know, he's still feeling down. Third time he got beat. Because everybody know, I mean, they said it was a draw, but really it was it was Tyson's win. So third time he got beat and he got knocked down, he got knocked out. Um, you know, as, as a man, that's just a pride thing. You're going to feel how you feel. So yeah. in the heat of the moment, I, I get all that. What, what 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 lost it for me was um, reading the article of Mike Breland, his former, his former uh, trainer, the one that threw the towel in um, in the second fight and, and got fired for that. And... What he said was that Wilder got so, as he started winning, he got so comfortable with just looking for the knockout blow that he was no longer listening to him as far as getting on the treadmill and running, um, as far as working on your jab, working on your counters um, and, and your blocking and shading and all these things, just throwing technique out the window because he knew he had that great right hand. Mm -hmm. And um, that ultimately, me reading it, kind of confirmed what I saw, because in the first in the first round, 
you saw Wilder was trying to, he was hitting with the jab, going to the body. He was, So I'm like, okay, you know, maybe an old dog, you know, can learn new tricks. Like he's doing things that we didn't see before. As soon as he saw that wasn't really phasing, I mean, it kind of shook Tyson Fury up, but it didn't really phase him the way he thought. And then as he got tired, as he got fatigued, you saw him go back to his old ways. And that normally happens when you're tired and you've been doing something else. When you get tired, you kind of revert back to what your muscles remember because now you're just going off of fumes. And so he kept trying to search for the right hand, not protecting his head, not protecting his body. He just kind of was eating everything and was just hoping that Tyson was going to make a mistake. But because he's such a great technician, you're not going to find the mistake from him. Tyson did exactly what he needed to do. He was patient. He realized, okay, he's going to tire himself out, was patient enough to wait for him to tire himself out, and he just kept jabbing him, kept jabbing him, kept jabbing him, kept jabbing him. And that's all it took. And so that those things, when you see those things happen like that, it's like, okay, um, you know, what are you, what are you, what else are you supposed to do in that regard? You know, how else are you supposed to um, combat it? And I think that's what hurt. That's what hurt him ultimately because of the fact that he didn't know what else to do. He had no other answer. And I feel like if you had a trainer that recognized it and didn't put you, and, and instead of listening to the trainer, you just kind of veered off and just wanted to do your own thing, then you kind of deserved what you got. You kind of deserved the the result that, that you, ass that you whooping. got. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just, you just <laughs> did. And after watching the fight, and just, you know, I mean, Mikhail, you know I love boxing. So you know yes. I pay attention to all these things. So after watching the fight and I'm looking at the landscape, I'm like, man, Tyson might have to retire with the belts. I just don't see. Wow. I don't see, you know, I know they're saying, well, maybe he can go against Usyk. You still got Andy Ruiz. Uh, Anthony Joshua, he blew, the, he blew the bag when he lost to Usyk a couple weeks ago. Because Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua was supposed to fight in Wimbledon. That would have been the yeah. biggest match in, in England history. Um, but he blew that when he lost. Um, I just don't see anybody that can beat Tyson Fury. I really think he can retire undefeated. I really think he can retire with those belts. And they're just you're just going to have to wait for a new wave of heavyweights to kind of take that vacant seat. But, wow. And people forget and Tyson's we only... What 32, 31, 32? Yeah, yeah. He's not old. So he can He looks be, old, but right. But he can go, <laughs> at his, he can go What's up with? for a good while. But what that's gonna be another conversation what I'm about to ask that, you What they're not understanding is that Tyson Fury was this way before. He yeah. just had the drug issues. When he was yeah. younger, he was dominating. Then he got into the you know the drug issues and all that stuff and got out of shape. So this, this is not new. We're just now yeah. seeing it because now he's sober, he's healthy, he's in a great, you could tell he's in a great headspace, great spirited, everything. And I just, for Deontay Wilder, I don't know where you go. Because Deontay Wilder is 36, going yeah. on 37. Yeah, he, he, he definitely is, it's it's a wrap for him unless he wants to go up against Anthony Joshua and work his ways back up to the rank. But he's got to get a better technique going in order to compete in this this space of, it, of heavyweight contention. And, you know? even, and even with that, like, is that even worth it? To I don't think it is. To take it. I don't yeah. think so either. For him, so, no. Like I said, the third match was a, was a reach anyway, but it just proved our theory from the second and the first. He's not the one. How do we feel about this knowing that as we all grew up watching boxing, 
I grew up the Evander Holyfield. I grew up the Mike Tyson. I, I welterweight wasn't even a, a a conversation. I you know I grew up the Riddick Bow. And see, I grew up the heavyweight Holmes and all of that. Michael Spinks and all of that. I'm a lot older. I saw that generation of that boxing. Yeah. So the, so the welterweight was nothing. So the know? heavyweight, yeah. So the heavyweight, we're seeing the not the decline. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that heavyweight decline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, like speaking of decline, I just let me let me look, let me say this one. Let me say this one real quick, Miguel. My whole thing with the heavyweight division. No, I was I was. I got you. My whole thing with the heavyweight division is you you got these guys, and I think we're now in the era where people are looking for more so skill. Um, you know, I was talking yeah. with people that was they were like, "Well, what about Canelo Alvarez?" And all this. I'm like, "It's not heavyweight. Mm -hmm. We don't have a great heavyweight division. Mm -mm. We we just don't. We don't have a great heavyweight division." So when you see when you see this fight happen, like Mo, you say you didn't care for the third for the third Fury versus Wilder fight, but that was the ticket because the only people that we thought like, okay, Andrew Ruiz when he beat Anthony Joshua the first time, right? They were like, okay, well, this might be something. I'm like, no, that was kind of fluky because Anthony Joshua ain't got no heart. That's really just what it was. He went in there, he was like, oh, I'm gonna just bust this dude up and keep it moving, and he caught him slipping. Came back, had the rematch one-handedly beating Andy Ruiz. So now Andy Ruiz is now in the gutter. The undercard for the heavyweights on Saturday, none of them have any business no. being in the ring with Tyson Fury. Mm -mm. None mm -mm. of them. So this is where we are with the heavyweight division. Wow. This is where we are. That's why I said I personally feel Tyson Fury probably going to fight Usyk, maybe Anthony Joshua, and then that probably be it because there's no one else to fight. You're not gonna go for out there. You're not gonna go for a Wilder four. You're not gonna do that. No, you're not. Gonna no do need that. to. There's no need. So mm -hmm. no Thriller Manila Part Six, Sevens, Eight. Let it no. go. No, it's no <laughs> need to do it because the first the first fight that ended in a draw, but a lot of people felt like Tyson Fury won that fight. Second mm -hmm. fight, the coach, the the uh, uh, Mark Breland threw in the towel. He he needed to throw in the towel because mm -hmm. what happened to Wilder this time was what Mark Breland thought would have happened that second fight. I mean, you got De Deontay Wilder's on a six-month, a mandatory six-month medical suspension because of the injuries he sustained from this fight because he wanted to fight like a warrior and, and fall on his sword. And I respect him, respect him for it, but it's six months and you're going to turn 37? Come on, man. No. So Tyson Fury might have, he, he's probably going to retire undefeated with all the belts. Yeah. And Deontay bronze up the golden gloves and just put them on the wall. He had his mo he had his he had his moment. Sad piece. He had his time. Tyson Fury came back sober and healthy. His time has passed. Those are some big gloves. It's like somebody bronzed with some big baby's feet. Like your kid was this big. <laughs> All right, anyways. Um moving on, shall we? Cause um Tristan. <laughs> and this is where we get to college football in a minute with Tristan. Alabama took two wells that night. Uh, <laughs> 41 to 38. Texas A&M Aggies defeat. Tide. The Alabama Crimson Tide. What a field goal. But yeah, Alabama took a couple of hits that day. 
This is college football in a minute with Tristan. Take it away, brother. I shut so, up. So Alabama could possibly lose two consecutive games. Like that's really like Mississippi State is not a slouch at all. And Alabama could really legitimately the way they lost on Saturday, they can lose that way again to Mississippi State. Alabama's defense is not the defense that we have grown accustomed to knowing and loving for all these years. That that the recruits are not what they what the other recruits have been in the past. I do think this is probably like a dry spell. Um, I do think that like maybe this just might not be their season. Um, but I do think that they'll probably still end up in the college football playoffs somehow, some way, because God forbid you can't have Alabama not in the playoffs. Like you, you can't. So <laughs> they're they're gonna be in there, but this is not their national championship year. Honestly, I don't this is probably the great this is actually great for college football, quite honestly, when it comes to the championship, because it's not gonna be Clemson, it's not gonna be Alabama, which means it, it could be Ohio State. It could be Oklahoma finally breaking through, um, you know. But it's not the usual suspects, and I'm 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 glad for that. I'm glad for that. I mm-hmm. think that's very good for college football. Um, I'm very curious at the draft. Okay. Um, I'm very curious about the NFL draft because Spencer Rattler is supposed to be considered the number one quarterback prospect, and he probably lost his job to a freshman. Uh, after mm. the after the, the the showing that he had um, against Texas in the Red River rivalry, uh, the freshman came out and put on a clinic, and Spencer Rattler just has not looked like the consensus number one pick um, that everybody thought he was going to be coming in. So, yeah, I don't I don't know his stock has dropped mightily. I mean, we're talking like second third round for Spencer Rattler at this point, just the way he's played, and like I said, he's about to get benched. For the freshmen, so that's going to be interesting to see. But the college landscape is wide open right now. You got uh, Ole Miss playing lights out, have a Heisman Trophy candidate in their quarterback. Um, Notre Dame is Notre Dame; they're always going to find their way to have a shot and have a chance in it. But like I said, Clemson is in question. Uh, the quarterback that they thought was going to be the next coming, he's, he's had a rough out. People are wondering if Dabo Sweeney is going to be able to keep his job. LSU, who is my favorite college team, good Lord, I don't know what's happening. I mean, I love Coach O, but maybe Coach O is, maybe his voice is just not resonating the way it is. I don't understand. That's another one that takes their pride in, you know, they call themselves DBU. They are getting torched left and right. I have no idea what's going on there at LSU. So it's wide open for a lot of these other teams. I mean, like I said, Mississippi State, Arizona, uh, Ole Miss. You got a lot of these teams that, you know, you wouldn't even think of to have a chance are now more than likely having a shot to get into the playoffs and winning a national championship. And, man, Miami Miami got to do a whole new rehaul. I mean, new coaching staff. Jesus Christ, University man. of Miami yeah. is not what it was. I think, they, I think they keep hanging on the hurricanes of the 90s and 2000s too much. So they're trying to be the Dallas Cowboys? I'm joking. Yeah, I think they're, <laughs> I think they're trying to hang on to it way, way too much. And I'm like, we won in 1994. So, so exactly. <laughs> you guys are so far removed. When the last time y'all won a chip? Shut up. You know, I mean, it's, so, it's so far removed. And, and it's it's embarrassing, honestly. It's, a, it's embarrassing to watch such a proud uh, school history being displayed like this. I always said the two teams that I really need to see come back into relevancy 
is the University of Miami and the University of Texas. Yeah. At least the University of Texas look like they might be building something. They, you know, it's coming along. It's coming along slowly, but it's, it's <clears> looking like they might get back in another couple of years. But the University of Miami, whew, I don't know what they can do. The recruiting's not is not working because UCF is over there getting their recruits. People still want to go to Florida. People still want to go to Florida State for God knows why. Don't know why you want to do that, but people want to go to Florida State. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what's happening with that. And then my last thing in regards to college football. Shout outs to the HBCUs doing their thing. Shout outs to Prime, Coach Prime, uh, doing his thing down there um, at Jackson State University. Uh, we're not going to talk about son, Morgan losing to Howard. We ain't gonna well, we're not going to talk about that. I, yeah, I'm okay. To, yeah, I'm I don't want to. I don't want to cry. Going to get into that. Uh, whatever that was. Shooter, Shooter Sanders uh, down there with his dad, balling at the quarterback position. Um, I think he's leading the swag right now in all. He is quarterback categories. He is. He is balling out of his mind. And he I is, and I don't like good. that. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, I, I knew he was going to be good. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be that good. And then, and and the thing I'm loving more is you see him growing into that man body. So he's he's going to be something to see in these next couple of years for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're 5-1. They're 5-1. and one. Yeah. And they took yeah, out the SWAC good. champions last uh, from last year. I'm part of the SWAC being Southern University. We are not going to make any strides with that Jackson State in our conference. It's just not going to help. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, <laughs> but good, you're right. Good up, big ups to him. Yeah, this is the part of the show where I would like you guys to call me Oprah, okay? Because <laughs> we're gonna play a little game of where we are, where are of where we are now, how we got there, and where we are now, okay? You know how she had that little thing, you know. I don't have the screen, but whatever. <laughs> um, anyways. A New York Times report. This is where how we got here. New York Times report taking us to the NFL. The New York Times report that NFL officials, as part of a separate workplace misconduct investigation that did not directly involve him, found that Gruden had casually and frequently unleashed misogynistic and homophobic language over several years to denigrate people around the game and to mock some of the league's momentous changes. He denounced the emergence of women as referees, the drafting of a gay player, and the tolerance of players protesting during the playing of the national anthem, according to emails reviewed by the Times. Gruden's messages were sent to Bruce Allen. I'm glad they gave you the Jazzy Jeff Evo, because the Washington Redskins, the Washington football team is trying to move on. Now, mm -hmm. the messiness that the Redskins were is causing them not to be able to do that. Bruce Allen. Capiche. Um, Daniel Snyder, I just hope and pray that you had nothing to do with this because then I pray for your non-existence as well. I've been, but whatever. Anyway, Gruden's <laughs> messages were sent to Bruce Allen, the former president of the Washington football team and others, while he was working for ESPN as a color analyst during Monday Night Football. In the emails, Gruden called the league's commissioner, Roger Goodell, a faggot and a clueless anti-football P-U-S-S-Y. I'm not going to say it. And said that Goodell should have pre-pressured, should have not pressured Jeff Fisher, the then coach of the Rams, to draft queers, a reference to Michael Sam, a gay player chosen by the team in 2014. In numerous emails during a seven-year period ending in early 2018, Gruden criticized Goodell and the league for trying to reduce concussions and said that Eric Reed, a player who had demonstrated during the player during the playing of the national anthem, should be fired. 
Gruden used a homophobic slur to refer to Goodell in offensive language to describe some NFL owners, coaches, and journalists who cover the league. Although not a uh, not with a team at the time, and this is the kicker for me, the influence this man had at the time, we didn't know he was saying these things because we were trying to get him back on the coaching scheme, and this is what happens. Although not with the team at the time. Oh, we got to give it a second for that pause, but um, I just want to let me let me go ahead and chime in about this uh, with with the Gruden situation. So, with um, with that situation going on with Gruden, the issue that here's the issue that I got. The issue that I have with with uh, with Gruden and this whole email thing, this whole process with the email thing. The issue that I got is we're looking at. Um, we're looking at a situation where over for seven years you had this guy communicating with Bruce Allen, who else knows who, who, that that's the only name we got out right now. You know, there could be other people on that thread. But right now we had for seven years we have Bruce Allen, we have Bruce Allen as a part of this conversation with John with John Gruden. That is that is such a detriment to to the character of what coaches, what organizations, basically everything that we said, that we said and thought of when we when we suspected that, oh, they're not treating our, um, they're not treating our black players fairly, or our black coaches fairly. This is some of the stuff that we're that we're alluding to in that regard. This is some of the stuff that we're talking about in that regard because how we're how, what we're looking at is the fact that. You had John Gruden, who had a who had a person that came out publicly on his roster, the first openly uh, uh, gay player in the NFL, like that to come out being a current player, and Carl Nassib. Okay, all about inclusion, everything that's been going on, and you literally had a guy that was a head coach that was basically against everything. That the NFL is trying to stand for today, like I said it, I said it on my other show earlier this week. I was I said that basically John Gruden basically pulled a South Park on everybody. I mean, he called out the uh, um, black people when he talked about Demore Smith. Called out, called called out the gay people when he talked about uh, Michael Sam being drafted by the Rams with Jeff Fisher at the time. Talked about the women that were becoming refer coming uh, referees. And going after Roger Goodell and calling him derogatory derogatory names, he didn't leave a stone unturned in these <laughs> seven years worth of emails. And I'm curious to see what Bruce Allen replied. I'm very curious to see that. I would love to see the full extent of these emails. Um, it's what bothers me. There's two things that bother me. One that bothers me is that Mark Davis, you had an opportunity to say something, to make a statement. It didn't have to be long. It didn't have to be anything. You had a chance to make a statement to say we do not, as a Raiders organization, stand for anything like this. For what your father is, for who your father was to the NFL as far as being progressive, as far as being diverse. Your father hired the first black head coach. That's your dad's legacy. That's your father's legacy. And for you to say, I have no comment, 
on the matter. Talk to the NFL. They have all the answers. You sound like you did not agree with their decision to force you to let him go. You or you knew who like the man was and went with it. Because honestly, if he was really against this whole thing, I went to Sunday's game, he wouldn't have been on the field on Sunday if I had He would have out. not been on the field on Sunday. And I'm a Raiders Absolutely. fan through hey, and through. I'm, I'm a Raiders fan. Welcome back. <laughs> we Welcome back. I don't, what, I don't know what the <laughs> hell happened, but I'm back. Okay? Welcome back. <laughs> and so I'm a Raiders fan. Yeah. I've been a Raider fan since I can remember the days of Bo Jackson, Howie Long. I grew up with that L.A. Ra Raider culture after they left Oakland. And even when they went back, came to Vegas, we thought this was going to be a great, great opportunity to yeah. see my team be in my born and raised state and city that I'm from to have an actual Raiders team here that I love. And to run into this, it's, it's, it's depressing. It's sad. We didn't want Drew, Gruden. Let's be clear, first of all. First and foremost, if you're a true Raider Nation fan, you knew you didn't want Gruden, okay? We knew we didn't that, want him true. to begin with. Ten years, uh, $10 million each year, $100 million contract. We're very happy that we don't have that the team doesn't have to pay that out. Um, yeah. To your point, um, Tristan, on everything, you hit the nail on everything that you said as far as those emails, as far as Mark Jackson's reaction to it. Um, being very dismissive and passive with his answer. Um, and a few of them are like that on the team. I don't know what the fate of Derek Carr is going to be, but his answers didn't really align to these. Like, I hate the, I love the guy, but hate the sin. Well, I love mac and cheese, but I hate the calories. What's your point? You know what it, I'm saying? So it was, um, it was so, you, you so got to, yeah, you've got to, you've got to, you know, and I understand right is right and wrong is wrong. He did say, he did stress that in his, um, his um, uh, press conference. But at the same time, We've got to look this in the face. Now, we had an opportunity for our moment or for their moment when we had this whole race relation thing come about. Us Catholics like to call you, you're confessing your sins, you get total absolution, somewhat. Then you had a window of opportunity of absolution. When you're supposed to have these open conversations with your team, with your coaches, with the GMs, with the players, open, candid, honest dialogue. Mm -hmm. John Gruden, that would have been your, your your time to come up to the congregation and say, I have said X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. and I have had a change of heart, but that mm -hmm. is not who he is. And what nope. you're seeing is the actual John Gruden of who he is. This is who this man is. And yes. for Mark Davis and all of those to not have a, a great art, a statement or anything like that, especially when that particular franchise has been built on diversity with Tom Flores, Art Shell female GMs, black GMs of Reggie McKenzie. Um, I could go on. You do have a responsibility to Raider Nation, I feel, even as a fan personally, to say something. Absolutely. Not to mention, I, I'm starting to put the wheels together, you two, as far as the pattern of Gruden for the time he came in to getting rid of Reggie McKenzie, who did no wrong. He brought us Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper. You got rid of him and brought your buddy Mike Mayock in. So we don't know where his line is. Then on top of that, you had an excellent kicker when we were in Oakland by the name of Marquette King. Marquette King. Black kicker. Very consistent. You didn't like him for some odd reason. He was trouble to you, and he probably is the same type of trouble that Keyshawn Johnson was. Got rid mm -hmm. of him. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing this pattern, and then it's dawning on me that this man is who he's been all this time, this whole time, and has led us astray and totally finessed us. Came out as a liar and all of these other things, you know. He couldn't remember what he said, and then he remembered what he said and made a rationale as to why you would call someone Michelin, Michelin lips. Now, you coin phrases like that when you're angry and upset, and you already had that term in your head. So yep. you're firing off 
you're not coming up with just some simple adjectives of oh he's he's crazy he's i'm upset he's an idiot no you went straight for the jugular to try and harm cause harm to this man by saying a racial trope like you did you already had that racial trope in your mind already that wasn't some new word you just invented that was a that was a word you always use not Absolutely. to mention you're talking about the females coming into the league as referees what about the black men that are in the league as referees when that monumental have, what did you have to say about that and exactly. i honestly personally think this is indicative to the fact that the NFL literally has not done anything to close the gap on racial barriers, and I don't think they ever will. You spray paint messages on the sidelines, it might as well say cure cancer. You're not doing anything effective to help us move this needle along. We're back at square one. We've always literally. have been. This is very indicative to it. It's a boys club. These guys knew what Gruden was about, knew how he talked, knew what he said, stayed complicit in that, didn't call the whistle on him or anything. They're just as guilty and culpable. This whole league is. And I just, I hope, I really hope that we get some more kind of revelations and reckonings coming from this. But I just don't see the change that the NFL is trying to go for as far as race relations happening. And if it did, Gruden wouldn't have been on the, that field on Sunday when they played against the Bears. And to watching that game and seeing those guys out there, they were defeated. Mentally, yes. physically, emotionally defeated. They, play, they got out there and did not play to the potential that the Raiders have been a three and one team. They did not look like a three and one team. And that's why we lost 29 to nine that day because yep. they did not play because they had this, not only did they have the man on the sideline, not getting any recourse for his actions, but also in their heads when he's talking to them for plays, they couldn't execute it. Mm -hmm. It just was a bad day. Mm -hmm. I thank y'all in my absence. Again, I don't know what happened. Anyways, <laughs> I would just like to say this and, um, I know you guys are used to NFL scores and highlights. We can't, we're not, for the sake of timing. Yeah. That would be too much tonight because yeah. we had so many topics to, this was a topical show that sports gave us tonight. I will say this, Washington football team, you messed up my Sunday. You should have won again. Helter Skelter, what the hell is going on? I'm sad about Russell Wilson. He's going to try to make it back in four weeks. We'll see if that can actually happen. I will say this. If you want a job in the NFL, hey, I'm looking for a job that pays what the NFL is paying. I'm going to go play under Russell Wilson because guess what? He played so many games. I ain't, I ain't even know your boy was still here when he no, came Gino. out and played for him. <laughs> yeah. You know Gino was there? Russell Wilson is longevity, and he plays hurt, and he should be respected for how much he's given Seattle that they're not giving him back and hasn't in the last two years. Um, yeah. So, um, Tristan, I don't know what to say about the Bills. It just happened. I don't know if you're going to give them the shine yet, but whatever. you still shaking the head. Stop so telling this black man he can't throw the football. 400 and something yards for Lamar Jackson. Hey, Stop it. Stop it. I'm telling me he can't throw. He's a running back, apparently. He's a running back. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> something. So, and if any other, and while we're on this topic of John Gruden, if any other games come to your mind that you want to put some shot spotlight on before we end the show, let me know. I'll give you the go ahead. But as far as John Gruden is concerned, um, there's only one, there's two things I just want to say, um, especially for the women that love football. There are plenty more John Grudens in this league. This is not the yeah. last time, just as, just as much as there's plenty more Houston owners where we're talking about don't let slaves run the show and the ship and all this extra stuff. There is so many more misogynistic, homophobic, anything istic, because normally everything with an istic is bad. 
<laughs> there's plenty more net things like that that this league is a part of, and and then people that's a part of it. There's to for John Gruden to be so respected at this time, and now this has come out. People were still trying to get him back into the league. Now him and Bill Cowher in when conversations of coaches leaving him and Bill Cowher were in that conversation of who was going to come back and be a part of an organization again because we revered them so well and we loved uh, John Gruden for what we did with the Bucks and blah, 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 blah. Where he had half of a black team. So I'm confused and wondering what Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp feel about this because only two white people on your team was All-Star and Brad Johnson. So I'm confused. <laughs> and y'all was whooping the Redskins' ass every year. So I want to know that was the blackest team I've ever seen. Rondé Barber. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on. But um, like I said, for the women in this league, I hope for everybody that's involved, your love of the game, the game should not stop because of these people and what they believe. And I just hope that that doesn't continue to hurt us, especially with, with, us, with us women and what we've been able to do in this league. Um, two. We've seen the messiness of the Redskins. What this just opened the door for, and the Raiders did not ask for this, is the messiness of the Raiders and the conversation that will be had about the Raiders as an organization. Just because you go from one place to another and you move don't mean the people involved in it do not change. And um, we've been talking about what's going on in D.C. for years. Everybody going in on this thing. But um, <laughs> we've been talking about what's going on in D.C. for years. The uncanniness, and we, and we feel good for Derek Carr and what he's been able to do. They paid this man all this money to change the culture where he's really deterred the culture at right now. So, um, yeah. Is she coming back? You see her? I'm waiting, waiting on her. Let's see what she's trying to come back. Okay. Um, I'm going to pose this question to you. And maybe we can end the show on this one. Uh, there's been a lot of rumble, rumblings, as there's always rumblings, as who, of who's going to take the next coaching gig. We do know that they upgraded um, to interim head coach their, um, their special teams coordinator. Um, we know that Rich... Basashia is going to do the job. Mm -hmm. um, well, we'll see about put, that. Yes, and it's time to put up or shut up. If you're gonna, if you're gonna continue to put this name out, out there, you have to put up or shut up. Put mm -hmm. Eric Bieniemy in that job. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say it, shut up and do it. How do y'all feel about that? That's that's. I, I think. That would be my first choice, honestly. I mean, he knows the offense very well of Kansas City. Kansas City's success is attributed to Eric Bieniemy. let's be real. Um, and he's been passed over many too, far too many times, and it's been an yeah. excuse of him not being to interview well. You know, um, kind of ridiculous and stuff that they're giving excuses of why they won't put this man in position. But um, I, I have no problem with that. And honestly, 
I mean, if the football gods are kind, I wouldn't mind seeing Derek Carr leave. And at the end of this season, we get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I I, I pray for that. I mean, at this point, I mean, a whole, whole She's throwing it out there, ain't she? Yes, I am. A whole lot of restructuring, if need be, needs to happen, you know. And we know that Derek Carr has not renewed an extension on his contract either. So this could be his make or break season or if he decides to, to part ways with the organization. But you're, time will tell. You're not a fan, if of, Russell not a fan Wilson, of Derek Carr? I'm a fan of Carr to a certain degree, but he's not what Mariota brings as well as the run game, too. I think we need somebody that's a better efficient. One thing about Derek Carr is he doesn't release the ball fast enough like an Aaron Rodgers. He can't read the field like an Aaron Rodgers. And I just feel like if we're going to be this Vegas marketed team, this hype of the city, we need a hype star to be here. And I, to, uh, to your credit, too, Mikkel, I'm not minding the Russell Wilson aspect either. I thought about that, too. But Where is if he we going? Get, if he does... if if they're saying that this might be it, Tristan says it all the time. He can't. Yeah. He can't stay. He can't stay playing football like this any longer. And yeah. the fact that you can say that he's the most sacked sacked quarterback in the NFL and has been so for years. Yeah. Um. This is a, This is this is a problem. So, if he decides that he wants to ride high in in, in his career with a possible chance to get a, a championship, because he is not losing anything. It's not like he's not. He may not be prime time, but he's not not of not not out of his prime anymore where seattle goes he goes where does he go if he leaves next year i mean if, this, could... if this finger proved a point to him right. to go. <laughs> yeah I, I mean markets are gonna shop him i mean I, I know for sure he's not going all the way to duval i know he's not going to new york to be with the jets i know he's not going with any of these suffering teams if he were to come to vegas i would welcome that too i'd probably run around in circles saying oh my god we got russell wilson because that's the complete piece too for our o-line that we have running now when you've got a Darren Waller out there, Josh Jacobs, and you got Henry Ruggs, you got Brian Edwards, and then we've got our start, our defense starting to come together a little bit. I wouldn't mind that. I just don't see what market would would trade him. Who, who what's his trade value for? Are you gonna go to Cleveland and, and do Baker Medfield, or what do you what are you gonna do? I mean, I only see a sensible place for him to go would be a place that extremely lacking has money to give to him. And if we've got this Gruden sitting seed money, that wouldn't be a bad little thing to, to throw at him. Not to mention he does have a very expensive contract that any franchise would have to try to buy into. And I don't know if any team can afford it, but it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. I I, I honestly don't know where he could You don't go, have though. no team you can take? I I don't see. I don't see. I don't know. Texans, maybe. Okay. I mean, Texans are in oh, trouble, but I don't see him going go there. But who wants to go there? I know. He's he, not going to do that. If he's going to go primetime, he's got to go within his re division. Now, he could re replace Jimmy Garoppolo and go to San Francisco. I mean, Denver? I, Denver? Well, that's Teddy Bridgewater territory. I don't know. He could go to Denver. He could be an AFC West contender. But Jimmy G is, uh, hey, he's, he's questionable and suspect at times. Yeah, I can but see him put, doing they, some moves there, but I doubt it. They invent they 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 invested the number three pick in Trey Lance, so I I I doubt I'd be hard pressed to see San Francisco do that because that to me you would have just wasted a, a, a pick. Um, for me, I said this. I I just said the Saints. Um, I know Jameis is down there, but man, I mean to see him with Sean Payton's mind, Michael Thomas. Yeah, I can see kid, that. That that kid down there, I forgot his name, but he's balling right now. Michael Thomas' absence, um, I I would love to see that, and I think they could they can make the room for his contract. They can make the room for it, so that that would be uh, that would be interesting to see. Any last words, comments, anything? Because we wrap this cookie up. 
Yeah. I feel bad for Melissa Ferris right now in the situation that she's in with her mm. Seahawks because they're not, <laughs> you know, uh, I think Pete Carroll should have gotten fired a long time ago because he had the, the biggest flub of a play call in NFL history and does not deserve oh, to be we there. we still talk uh, about that baby. Right yes, we still do because, you know, they want to pump up their chest and think they're all that, but they only got one Super Bowl and they could have had a second one off of that play call. And he the needed to go for that. He should have been fired for that. That's the, the worst, worst play call in NFL history to this day. History. He turns red every time we talk about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's awful. Get back uh, that's a fireable offense. Yeah, you that's a fireable offense. <laughs> I agree with um, you. It's a fireable offense. It's a fireable oh. offense, but he was so close to Paul Allen and that Allen family oh. and all of that, so he got his privilege to stay. Now what? I'm not I think his, his tenure's coming over. I'm, I'm still... I'm not either. I'm still angry. I just... Yeah. <laughs> Because within that, that was also a systemic issue, too. You knew good and well you could have passed that ball to Marshawn Lynch. You he, knew what B-Smoke can do when the rush play comes. Do, he did not want He didn't want him to be the hero. The narrow, yeah, he didn't want the narrative to come out. And that's, uh, that's a shame. Second down on yeah. the two? Oh, okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know that that triggered Tristan. This, I is, don't a, forget. this is a real trigger for him. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't I don't forget that. It's between that and Kevin Durant going to Oklahoma. I mean going to going to go. Yeah, those are my two triggers. Oh, those are definitely my Where two we're triggers. never wow. Where the hell else was he gonna go? Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I mean, I, that was a good okay. look. That was a good look for him. I wasn't minded. Okay. I'm, I'm minded Girl. in every way. I minded it in every mm -mm. way. Well, any any other any other last comments or anything, or can I shut this thing down? You can shut it down. It's a great show. Tell Thank them, you for having me. Tell them where they can find you. Mo to the yes, to Mo to the, the, to, okay. to the eat to the yes. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, definitely check out our uh, podcast, Girl Chat Sports, all one word, Girl Chat and Sports on IG and Twitter. We also have a Facebook group page. You're more welcome to join the group. Uh, Mikhail's a group a member of ours. She likes to chime in in her commentary. We appreciate it. Tristan, we'd love for you yeah, to join yeah. our group as well and get into for the, sure. join the chat with us, as we like to call it, and sure. get into some talk about sports. But that's definitely where you can find me or uh, also at uh, A-I-C-E-N-O-M. That is my first name spelled backwards. You can find me there on Instagram as well. All right. And episode 122 coming back next week. And I'm going to tell you like a mo, you've been great. Oh, thank you so much. For sure. For sure. Thanks for having me, you guys. It was awesome. For sure. I Listen, definitely enjoyed you. I'll definitely be joining the chat. Uh, we're going to figure out what's going on. I think the, the technology gremlins are trying to come after us today. But uh, I see. <laughs> but we're going to have to have you guys on our show. We're going to have to have yeah. you guys come on our show. For sure, yes. definitely, definitely enjoyed you. Um, it's it's been fun. Um, like you heard her, follow her on the social medias. Follow her on girl on girl chat sports. I mean, we're, listen, this this is this is what we do. This is this is how it is. Let them know that women can talk sports too. Okay, mm -hmm. women are just as intelligent. A lot Thank of you. Them more intelligent than a lot of the guys. <laughs> so like, let's get with it. Let's get with it. But thank you guys for tuning in. Of course, follow us on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Facebook. This episode will be on YouTube and all the podcast platforms tomorrow if you want to re do a rerun of this. So I'll see y'all when I see y'all. On behalf of Mikhail and myself, peace. Y'all have a great weekend. See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to our episode. 
Be sure to catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for news and updates, as well as our YouTube page for all episodes. Again, thanks for rolling with us.